You're listening to the Sprues and Brews podcast, your weekly podcast looking at all things Warhammer. Hello and welcome to the much-delayed episode 224 of the Sprues and Brews podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm pleased to say that I'm joined by more than one person this week, Ooh. because we have Jay. Hi, Jay. Hello. We have Matt. Hi, Matt. <laughs> A podcast is never late. It arrives exactly when it intends to. <laughs> and a lesser-spotted Andy as well. Hi, Andy. Hello there. I was trying to think, how can I hide on an audio podcast? But it sounds like you can't. Yeah, I have visions of you hiding behind the desk, Andy. I did Sorry. try and hide. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I'm going to have to leave that. I don't don't normally like gaps. So I'm going to have to leave that gap because um, it'll only then make sense for our listeners. Um, so it's great to have you back, Andy. I've very much missed your singing, and I anticipate, you know, I I want to hear at least one song this podcast, at least some singing from you, if that's possible. No pressure, then, yeah, no pressure. <laughs> Absolutely no pressure at all. Um, so yeah, it has been a while since we've done, we've done a podcast. I know we did a bit of a special with Dark Fantastic Mills last time out. Um, but you know, we're coming to the end of the year. There's lots going on, work and buying these things called Christmas presents, buying stuff for other people. Um, crazy. Um, but we are here with a bit of a, an end of year um special, I, I guess, Matt. This is the year in review, Dave. Mm. As opposed to the Christmas special, which we may have as well, let's sneak in before the end of the year. Yeah, we'll have to get that scheduled in. So we're going to be chatting about what's uh, been released this year. And um, not only that, but we'll be discussing our top three scenery pieces as well. Now, this was inspired again by our last episode where we were chatting to, to Gary from Dark Fantastic Mills. So that should be an interesting one. There's been lots of scenery kits, not just by GW, but by lots of other developers as well. So should make for a good top three. Uh, and of course, um, hopefully we'll have a few uh, community picks towards the end as well. Uh, but before we get stuck into that, I, I imagine we've got quite a bit to talk about in regards to what we've been doing in the hobby, um, because, you know, it has been some time since the last podcast. Um, I'm going to start this um, off because I've just got to give that a bit of an intro. And I am actually struggling to remember what I've actually painted in the last, <laughs> what, month? Over I a can, month? I can think of something, Dave. You've painted some Necrons and played a battle report that's being edited and is up on YouTube soon. Yes, you're absolutely right. That's a great place to start, Matt. Thank you. Um, so yes, I have been painting some Necrons because we have, we've had some new Necron models. We had Imotech the Stormlord, um, who was uh, a really nice model to, to build. He was the only one I didn't get round to, um, to painting, uh, ready for release. Um, but he's a, he's a really nice model. He was, um, the most surprising of the, the models because I think I like him more now I've actually had him in my hand and built compared to like the image of him. I like the fact that they've stayed quite true to the original model. He's yeah, kind he's of a very similar pose. Like Mephiston and um, some of the other sort of recent remakes they've done, isn't he? He's quite, like you say, true to the original. Yeah, I love like little scarabs like crawling all over his cape. Um, I also got to build and paint the new uh, Overlord with Translocation Shroud. That was a lot of fun and it's a really fun model with like bits of him that haven't quite materialized yet and he's holding like an um a resurrection orb i expected that to be the most difficult one of them to build just you know looking at it uh it turns out it was only literally five parts so <laughs> it was very straightforward to um to assemble and it was really 
fun to paint as well, like all the energy sort of swirling around them and stuff. Um, what well, visions are you, Dave? Looking at the box, going, oh, this is going to be really hard to build. Putting it off for hours and hours, getting the sprue out, just clipping him off in one piece and sticking him to a base. <laughs> yeah, it was almost <laughs> like that, Matt. It was almost like that. Um, so he was a, he was a great little model. But my favourite model out of the release was, and I'm going to butcher the Oricon. pronunciation of his name. Oricon. Oracle. Oracle, the the, uh, the diviner. So um, he's a great special character. I know he's been in the lore quite a lot. Um, and the model itself is is brilliant. Um, I really like it. It was my favourite of the releases. Uh, and as Matt alluded to, we had to, we actually gave them a test run because um, we had both the Necron and the Adeptus Mechanicus Codexes. So we did a bit of a battle report, didn't we, Matt? And it, it, it was, was a lot fun. of fun. I enjoyed that. I've, I've, not, I've not seen the finished product yet, Dave. You've been tinkering away in your uh, computer room, haven't you, for the last few weeks? I, I have. I've actually now got a working PC, uh, so I've been able to properly get stuck into the editing of the the battle report, and it'll be up very soon. It's um, been a lot of fun to to edit um we make a couple of mistakes but you know it was the first time we've recorded a battle report for a while so when um, the pressure of the camera i think told um it's, it's kind of course but it was a great battle it was a, we had it as a bit of a crusade game mm. uh in the end we kind of you know it was just a fun 1000 point battle um i use my new stuff along with um you know stuff like the the um doomsday arc the score destroyers um you had a, a new character in your army matt I did the, uh, what his name is that? The Scatros, the Skatari Scatros, the yeah, sniper on stilts. The window, window cleaner. cleaner, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was good. So at the time of filming, I, I don't think we could actually say how many points it was because of, you know, the weird timey-wimey stuff that happens when we film these things. Mm. But um, you get quite a lot of Adeptus Mechanicus in a thousand points now, don't you? You do, you do, yeah, yeah. Um, and I said new model. I mean, actually, you, you built and painted that Mechanicus army in, in a week, Matt hashtag spoilers but yeah so, so well we, we had the we knew the book was coming and we knew you're gonna film this battle report and you used to have a mechanicus army and, and mm. you know, got rid of them so i thought oh, it'd be nice to be able to do a battle report with each um faction as they come out so i thought oh, having a look at the points and the um i forget what it was called but the christmas box from last year plus the new character and um engine seer or something i had kicking around came to pretty much a thousand points on the nose so i thought i reckon i can paint that box in a week hammered it out <laughs> and you know what i'm really happy with them they were one of my, my, my favorite forces i've painted yeah they're really cool and they were really cool to fight against as well so that that battle report will be appearing on our youtube channel and, and over on spreesandbrews.com very soon and um, so check out that and um, so that's kind of been the main thing that i've, I've been doing i have been uh, slowly building and undercoating a, a word bearers army for our hey. sort of new year game um they are absolutely nowhere near painted though James. Don't, <laughs> don't get don't get too excited <laughs> what, what's they're that built. they're almost fully painted ready for uh warhammer world trip at the end of the year good to they, hear dave I'm they are glad. all they are because all obviously built. we've been planning this for a few months and we I agree between us that we'd all have I've been busy with other things other other busy websites painting word bearers that's what i'm hearing good no, can't wait no. to see the whole army and they'll at least be under just say that Loyalist word bearers, Dave. I mean, you only have to take like two or three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They'll at least be undercoated. I have got a contempted dreadnought painted, and I think one marine. One um, marine. <laughs> so what's that? One, 100, 192 one points. Uh, <laughs> you might have to team up with someone, Dave. Yeah, but I've still got a couple of weeks, so maybe I can pull it out of the bag. Dave, maybe Dave, be... uh, you just—you literally just said I painted an Adeptus Mechanicus army in a week. You got this, Dave. You're fine. <laughs> yeah. Well, well yeah. I, I've got—I've got hope. I've got hope. I'm not saying the other word, Andy, that begins with F, because we know how 
that always goes if I say that word. Um, so yeah, but the only other thing actually that's probably uh, newsworthy is you guys have been banging on about the old world for for ages, um, and I've 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 been getting a, more and more on the hype train, and I think I've actually settled on an army now to properly get excited about the old world for, and it's the uh, it's a dwarf, so I've got a warden king um, sat on my desk ready to be assembled. Uh, which I think I'm going to do post podcast because it'll only take me a few so, minutes. So, so you're thinking of picking up some dwarfs then for the old world, Dave? I am indeed. Yeah, I um I was very close to doing vampire counts, but I wanted to do a I wanted to do an army that was going to be was going to have some new rules and potentially some new models. Uh, and the the dwarfs were the only ones really that really appealed to me. So. Uh, I'm looking forward to building and painting this Warden King after the word bearers, of course. And um, yeah, I'm hoping that that'll be the army that that really gets me in the mood for the old world. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Nice. Uh, let's move over to Jay. What have you been up to, Jay? Yeah, staying on the subjects of the old world then. That's really where my focus has been over the last few weeks. Um, sort of been really hyped by all the rules reveals and previews we've had over the last three or four weeks. Um, so I've been putting together a high elf army. So I'm Ooh. at the sort of collection and building phase at the moment, uh, scouring all of the sort of secondhand groups and eBay for some bargains on some old high elf models. I don't know about uh, you, Jay. The, the, the collecting phase is one of my favourite parts of the hobby. <laughs> It's been really good, yeah, because, I mean, obviously there, there are some crazy prices online, but if you're patient and you sort of dig and, and have a look around, you can nab yourself a, a few bargains, and um, that, that's really what I've done. So I've got in front of me here, I've got a unit of the old metal swordmasters, the old metal white lions. Uh, I've got a couple of characters like mages and lords that I've managed to find. It's pretty much all metal at this point. Um, and um, what I was really happy with is I found some of the old 5th edition Lothian Seaguard, um, so I've got two, well, quite a lot of these guys actually. So I've got enough to fill out my core slots with with um, these sort of Lothian Seaguard. Um, so yeah, I'd like to pick up. Oh, I've got some Shadow Warriors as well. I um, it was weird actually. I was clearing out the garage um, a week or two back, and I found a load of my old uh, metal Shadow Warriors. Um, hide, so I'm not, I'm not garage. That's what they do, isn't it? Well, this is it. Yeah. So I've got I've got eight of these as well. I think I might see if I can find a couple more. But um, yeah, so it's a, it's a nice. Um, sort of starting force i think and i'll be able to add to it when we see what the the sort of um releases are when we get closer to launch or, or, or post launch um so i've not got any paint on them yet um i think we're going to go for the traditional sort of blue white and gold sort of color scheme for them but i'm not 100 percent committed to that yet so um i might have to experiment a little bit and and, and see but I, I we'll see anyway so um, i'm looking forward to getting my teeth into these ones really um got some time off over christmas so hopefully get starting on them um but then uh, i've been distracted by the horus heresy again and um Hmm. we've been lucky enough to grab a few tickets to a couple events next year i think we've got the one day in february and then um warhammer world the events um, team they announced a really really cool sounding horus heresy event in march yeah so i think i think both of these are probably since the last podcast so the one day is that they've been doing this a lot haven't they we have one day events during the week where you know it's 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 more casual kind of play isn't it and the the other event that went on sale last week and i, I don't know if they're still on sale they might still be some available if you have a look on eventbrite but essentially it's an apocalypse campaign weekend so it's not like a, a, a traditional match play it's more narrative and there's four battlefields 
which I assume they're going to use, you know, awesome scenery setups, you know, the big uh, bridge table and, you know, some of the other big boards. They've got a Warhammer world uh, and two teams, traitors and loyalists split over these four battlefields playing a single game each that lasts two days. <laughs> each player brings three and a half thousand points that can't include any named characters <laughs> and then can bring an additional three thousand points of allies that um, are the same like root faction as yours. So if Jay brought Blood Angels, he'd have to bring a Blood Angel ally detachment. Though you are allowed to bring Titans and Knights for that allied pool as well. And essentially, the, 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 these massive battles like go on for two days, and the events team will then say that I don't know during the battle, Horus himself teleports down, and then Horus is deployed on the table. Meanwhile, everyone's kind of like three thousand points extra bits are pulled and then either put into the battlefield you're on or used to support another battlefield. It sounds like it's going to be absolutely amazing, Jay. Yeah, it's a kind of um, it's a kind of event that I think the Horus Heresy you, well, I want to say you can only really do the Horus Heresy. I don't think that's true but certainly it's easy to do the Horus Heresy because it, it's already there's that much, um, it, it's easy to tell a story in that setting and I, I'm, I'm hoping that's what this uh, weekend is all about. Yeah, I think that style of play, for me, it's more about that rather than match play, tournament play, people min-maxing army lists and stuff. Because the cool thing with this is that they could have one board that's a siege, maybe, and you need to have certain units that can take down, I don't know, some gates before you go in, rather than, you're less likely to have cookie-cutter lists, or I guess more precisely, cookie-cutter lists in theory should be less, like, successful at it, because... There might you might be playing on a battlefield that you know favors fast units or armor or infantry, and you don't really know till you get there. It's like just being thrown onto the walls of uh, the Imperial Palace and seeing what you know Horus up in orbit wants you to do. Yeah, really, really, really excited. So I've got I've got some um, some plans to expand my Blood Angels. I, I, I want to add um, a load of Terminators um, and. Um, I'm Asterden, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, I want to shift all of my sort of um, jump pack equipped Blood Angels into my reinforcements pool. So all my jump dreadnoughts, um, my Dawnbringers and um, um, my Offering Cut, I want to add some Assault Marines. So I've got like a big sort of um, jump pack equipped contingent that will be my reinforcements pool. So I'm, I'm envisaging they'll be, you know, deep striking in to, to assault a a, a breach or or to uh, to counter attack or something like that, and then my my main three thousand five hundred point list will be like an infantry heavy sort of day of sorrows blood angels force. Um, so yeah, I'm really really excited about that. And uh, I mean, it, I, I like the heresy, so I do I do enjoy painting the, the blood angels and, and playing games of heresy. Um, but I'm gonna have to juggle my time between the old world and and that event I think to try and make sure I've got armies for both both systems ready i think what i'm going to do for the old world because obviously you guys will be rushing to get armies ready and, and hopefully we'll have battle reports and stuff on those i think what i'm going to try and do is is is, is it's the impossible dream really but i'm going to try and get a unit paint a unit get a unit paint a unit so it'll take me a bit longer to maybe get a game in with you guys but um, well, you see, i might be more inclined to get it done that sounds like a good tale of gamers maybe for next year, Dave. Well, yeah. do, I think we maybe do one for each system, but more of a slow burn of paint a unit rather than try and paint. We've done it in the past where we paint in like a, a army box in a month, haven't we? Yeah. Um, because me and Jay, I've, I've got an ogre army 
and the Slanesh Demon Army that I can get base ready for the Old World once we know base sizes. And I've got a lot of Dark Angels, spoilers coming up, that I'm building as well. But I think both me and Jay are probably going to start new, new armies when the addition's out properly as well. So we'll have a nice mix of some that we've knocked together ready for the new edition, but then also a slow burn, you know, Taylor Gamer style. I think it'd be fun. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jay, I believe you've been painting some tiny Space Marines too. Oh man, yeah, yes, <laughs> more Horus Heresy. So yeah, Legion Imperialis. Um, the um, so we were kind enough to receive um, a copy of, um, of of that new game and, and um, all of the um, uh, the Space Marine and um, Solar Auxilia kits inside. So yeah, so I, I took the Legion Astartes uh, elements of that that set and, and painted them up as Blood Angels. Um, I've not had a game yet. I need to have a game actually. And like I say, I, with Christmas coming, I've got a bit of time. I think when I come around and have a game, Matt. But um, yes, it was great fun painting them. I mean, yeah, it's a bit weird. Oh, how are you going to be able to paint these models so small? Get the details on them. But actually, they come out looking well. You don't really need to put a lot of effort. You can get a really, really nice looking army quite quickly. You know, with come like dry brushing and washing and things like this. So yeah, I was really happy with how they turned out. Um, and I'd like to say, yeah, I do need to get a, a game of that because I, I do like the setting. I've never played Epic before. Um, but yeah, it was I, great I, I think with. you'd like it. It's, it's it's similar to, I think it favours narrative play and it's more about the grand scale of it. I mean, you've not seen the battlefield set up, Jay. And, and Dave, who'd been very much on the fence about um, Imperialis, we we filmed the, the review and had set up both armies and all the scenery. And I think it's safe to say that you were a wee bit excited, Dave, seeing it yeah. all set up. I'm really looking forward. So in the new year, I'm going to be jumping on Imperialis. Uh, yeah, like Matt said, once I saw them all on the kind of the battlefield all laid out, you know, all your Titans and your Flyers and stuff. Yeah, that that pushed me over the edge. I'm actually, I keep meaning to pop down to a local GW and pick up a free Rhino because it's their miniature of the month. Um, I've not quite done that yet. I don't know if you guys have. I need to do that myself. I, I could do with an extra Rhino in my list. <laughs> Excellent. Um, Andy, it's been a while since you've been on. Could, can you summarise what you've been up to in the hobby? Um, yeah, summarise. Let's see. Um, I've been playing a bit of um, Warcry recently. Um, nice. Really enjoying that. Um, picked up the Gorgon Moor Pack, um, oh, nice. Spire Tyrants, and I've got the, the name escapes me, the Flesh Eat Court. Uh, best boat warband on my paint desk at the minute. The beast hunters. Um, beast hunters, yeah. Um, and I've been really been enjoying Warcry. Um, I've been playing a lot of Kill Team um, as well, uh, specifically with like the Chaos Legionnaires. Um, painting some up like Black Legion. Um, I've been giving them a, a couple of games. They've been great fun. Um, I've been playing um, some Marvel Crisis Protocol. Oh, nice. Core set, um, the first core set built mm. and fully painted. Um, and then the week after I got it painted, they brought out the second core set. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, so I'm going to jump into that, I think, over Christmas and try and get some more uh, Marvel Crisis Protocol stuff uh, built and painted. Um, currently, though, on my paint desk, um, I've also been. Um, st- getting into star wars shatterpoint oh. um so i bought the bought the core set um built all the models absolutely dream so nice and then it got to the b1 battle droids <laughs> and i'm not gonna lie i may have 
lost my temper once or twice with them. Um, <laughs> just because the connection points for their legs um, may as well not exist. Um, <laughs> and it, it, it requires a lot of patience. Um, and thankfully, a couple of the battle droids, you can kind of get away with them, sort of leaning back, but firing forwards with one leg up in the air. You know, we look a bit comical. Um, but yeah, I've got some of the um, B1 battle droids. Um, just need to build um, the scenery from the core set. Um, I think Element Games did a Black Friday sale fairly recently, and I picked it up is. the um, Take Cover Terrain Pack expansion. Nice. Um, so built all that. Um, I'm trying to think what else I've been up to. Um, the club ran a 40k event back in August, um, which I, I was one of the TOs for, so I unfortunately didn't get to play in that one. Um, what else? We went to a kill team event back in June. That was good fun. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, that was really good. That was really good fun. Went to a 40k doubles event back in July, and I think that was the last time I played 10th edition 40k, so I've not really played 40k. Um, and I think that's that's pretty much the majority of what I've been up to. So, yeah, lots I'm, of hobby. I'm glad you've mentioned Marvel Crisis Protocol, because that's something else me and Matt have been discussing yes. quite heavily, isn't it, Matt? Um, well, I, I, I picked up the new the new, new starter box um, for the internet, doing a review, and a bit of a, a, bit of a series, because I've, I've you know, built and painted some stuff like in my own time, and I'd like to, to get some games of that on and do some nice scenery and maybe cover it on the site as well. Um, likewise with Shatterpoint as well, I picked up the box and some of the, the teams. I saw that there's a um, Return of the Jedi, Luke Skywalker uh, box and a yeah, Darth Vader box coming out as well. Very much looking forward to just painting them up, let alone play, playing it. But I've heard some good things about the game. So, yeah, I think we definitely need to dabble in some uh, Atomic Mass games next year. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. But, yeah, it sounds like you've uh, you've been incredibly busy, Andy. Uh, and I, I yeah. want to get a game of you soon as well. Um, yeah. Are you are you running the are you taking part in the the January unicorn event, which I know is unfortunately sold out. But um, are you in that? Uh, unfortunately, not. No. Um, that's unfortunately my weekend, but I'm working. Um, so even I can't get to go to that event. Um, I mean, I mean, it's, it's hot stuff. This uh, this this tournament, isn't it? It sold out what in half a day? In less yeah, than a day. Yeah, half a day. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't even have time to think. Well, well I might be up for that. I was gone. Never mind. <laughs> well, yeah, the, I I spent I spent too long um thinking about. It. I'm on the reserve list now, but I don't, I don't. I think I'm like five or six deep in that, so it's not it's not looking <laughs> too good. But um, you never know. You never know. Um, so yeah, um, I just leave one person who I nearly, very nearly forgot about. Matt, I nearly forgot. What I've, on earth have you been up to? I've been painting a lot since the last podcast, Dave. I'm not gonna lie, my eyes hurt, and I was really looking forward to a bit of a break. And I think I'm gonna be building more hobby stuff over Christmas as well. <laughs> so <laughs> I have, as we mentioned earlier, painted a thousand points of Adeptus Mechanicus. I've also painted a thousand points of Flesh Eater Courts. They are very, very, very nice. They're on pre-order now and out. They might be out now or they might be out Saturday. I'm not sure when this podcast goes out, but they're awesome models. So you definitely want to uh, pick up that box if you're interested in Flesh Eater Courts, Dave. (laughs) (laughs) I also picked up the Christmas Red Gobbo and I've been working on the Christmas um, Gits as well, which is a cool little festive thing. It's unusual that they've done two festive models this year. 
Um, I quite like that they've done an AOS one and a 40k one. And the hilarious thing is, the AOS one has actually got 40k rules as well. It does, yeah. So, yeah. Um, I have also um, been building my army for the event that Jay mentioned in the new year for Horus Heresy. On my desk behind me, I have got ready to paint six predators, two rhinos, a land raider, two Typhon heavy siege tanks and a Sakaran. <laughs> I am going for a full siege tank company. My kind of like head cannon is that uh, this this unit has been sent to breach the walls. So essentially it's it's the armoured escort of a, um, a kind of battery of two Typhons whose sole job is to blow down the walls of the Imperial Palace. A very noble deed. Um, but they need some support as well, though. So we've got some rhinos with, with tactical squads in there just to, to cover the vehicles. And then just in case, you know, Sigismund or someone's running down the battle line <laughs> causing havoc, I've got a, uh, a land raider full of reavers and a land raider full of justerans. I'm going to paint the justeran land raider black as well. Like the, oh, yeah, uh, cool. So, so yeah, that's my little, little logic. This, this basically is just escort for these Typhons to blow down the walls. It's, it's not going to be a super competitive list, but it's going to be a very niche list. And I think it'd be fun for the, the apocalypse event. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah. And then I've also ordered the, um, see through army of the dead kits as well, because Jay, not long ago, you were doing a, a bit of a, yeah, Lord the, of the Rings force. They're down here. Yeah. I, they're just next to me, actually. I got them all built, all my, um, Iron Hills dwarfs, but I, I got them based and ready to paint. And then, um, I think I got distracted by high elves. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, I'm, I'll, um, uh, you know, in the new year, I think I'll definitely be putting some paint on these guys. And, and I, I want to try and get to some, um, events at Warhammer World next year for the, um, Middle Earth. Yeah, well, same here. So I've got the Army of the Dead, and then for the, for my, I'm going to probably get a, a good army and an evil army next year. So um, I'm thinking uh, the Nine. Nice, easy army, isn't it? <laughs> Don't need many models. Just yeah. a ringwraith riding around. So yeah, and that, that is what I've been working on, Dave. Oh, and, and oh, no, and Legion Imperialis. About three months ago, <laughs> for reasons, I was painting the Legion Imperialis army, and as we'll see later in the podcast, that only came out recently. So I've painted up the all of the um, sort of auxilia releases. I really, really hope that the secret army that's coming out in January, sort of auxilia. I mean, it probably is, isn't it? Let's face it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I really, really enjoyed painting them up. And then we had an extra box of Space Marines and you were good for Blood Angels. So I painted them up as uh, Sons of Horus as well. And I've picked up a few kits uh, when they went on pre-order to expand that out into a little force of Sons of Horus as well. So basically I want to be able to do a, a Soul of Orcs force and a, a Space Marines force, just so if we do any battles, I've got, you know, a couple of armies that people can use then. Excellent. Well, it sounds like we've all been super busy since the last show, um, but we've got plenty to talk about on this episode. So let's take a quick pause and we'll come back with the latest news. So what do we have in this week's news, Matt? So it is December, and as a tradition, Games Workshop have been putting out a bit of an advent calendar every day. And we're about halfway through it on day 11 at the time of recording. And I don't know if everyone's been keeping up with this, but there's been some really interesting stuff on the um, on the calendar. And, and what we've seen in the past is that 
these tend to be like the first couple of months of releases as well. Remember, we had all the, the Eldar stuff a couple of years ago, and that came out the gates pretty quickly, if I remember rightly. Yeah, it did. Um, so I don't know if anyone's been keeping up with this. There's something that, to me which looks like it could be a new plastic Epidemius. Yes, I saw that. I, I think the most interesting one I I remember seeing is the Krieg one, or it definitely looks something. Well, well, the Krieg. Krieg we remember when we, that we got the review of Kill Team. This is like two years ago now, and on the transfer sheet for the Krieg, there's little transfers for minefields. Now I've heard whisperings that there's going to be a large Deathcore Krieg range next year because the 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 new uh, after Militarum stuff that came out was very uh, Cadian focused and there's a bit of keyword stuff on there which meant that you couldn't really count them as Deathcore because they didn't have you know the right keywords and stuff. Mm. So it wouldn't surprise me if they do I don't know a trench specialist attachment. And then you've got like minefields as a scenery piece yeah, and, um, you know, the, the, the big stationary artillery platforms, basically like a basilisk without a tank, um, yeah. earth shaker cannons, I think they were called that kind of stuff, letting you a- be able to do a full plastic Krieg army with an associated detachment in the book. I would be all over that. And then also, if that's the case, J- uh, Dave, we've got to do Krieg versus Death Corps, haven't we? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, and also, there's also been rumours that obviously the uh, the Solar Auxilia coming out, you know, as the new army in the new year. And there's pictures in the Legion's Imperialis book of a Mars Alpha uh, Lehman Ross. Yeah, which I saw people that. think is, is a plastic rather than resin. Now, obviously, in Legion's Imperialis, we have got the, the, the Mars Alpha tanks that's a great kind of cross sell there because not only they don't have sponsons and they've got the trench rails on so they are you know distinct from the the cadian ones um but that's a great unit that could then be used in the solar orcs and the death core creek mm. so yeah so that looks really cool and um, there's also some bits on there that look a bit silvernithy to me with some like tree bits Silver there's definitely some branches yeah silver death or maybe wood elves for the oh, old wood world elves, yeah equally wood elves so yeah lots of exciting stuff on the way it seems so yeah it'll be interesting to see how this plays out i'm just going to give a shout out to one that's got a bit of an internet meme status already there's a servo skull that seems to be holding like a toilet roll so positional <laughs> uh toilet attendant <laughs> I think is way. so yeah so exciting stuff now we had a preview uh, the other day, Black Library novels. They, they tend to have a Black Library Day in February, don't they, every year? And they've shown off a new model. Um, I've not read these books. I don't know if anyone else has. Brutal Cunning, uh, Uftak Blackhawk. And he is a big brute of an orc with a squig stabilised gun. I love this model. How cool is this model? It, it, it looks ace. I mean, I've got a big orc army and i need to get this guy to, to add to it i love that his squig's called princess too <laughs> <laughs> yeah i've not read the novels but apparently they're pretty good you know the only disappointing thing is he's getting legends rules but apart from that you basically he's just a war boss which is a well, shame there is a, don't forget though that they have got a codex on the way so he might mm. have legends now but then he gets a full profile in the codex maybe yeah fingers crossed so, yeah, so he looks really, really cool. Uh, I'll definitely be picking him up. Uh, and then, as we mentioned earlier in the show, since the last podcast, we have had five different Old World Almanac articles covering shooting, the fight phase, 
psychology, magic, and uh, finally the, the special rules. So uh, I guess quick round table. Out of these articles, is there anything that anyone thinks is really cool? Anyone's kind of been worried by these? Any worries abated? I mean, I think we briefly mentioned it on the last show, Dave, but one of my worries for the old world was that magic would be watered down, um, where it looks like magic is very much a, still a powerful force in the old world. You know, you still have to roll two dice and cast it. One of the things that I think is a positive change, the whole you know, roll six dice and odds are you're going to get irresistible force and it doesn't matter anyway, which kind of made magic super broken in 8th edition. Seems to be gone with it just being based on 2d6 plus your wizard level. I don't know what you guys think of that. Yeah, I think it sounds good. I think as well, if if I've read it correctly, the the, the magic phase is it's no longer there. These magic spells are cast at different stages in the in the turn. In yeah. Different, in different phases, which which I also think is really, really cool. Um, I think they also revealed the different spell laws that will exist, and and they they some of them so high magic, I think dark magic is there, but then there's a there's a few new spell laws because obviously due to the the sort of um, the setting, the timing of the setting, the colleges of magic don't exist yet in 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 this period of time, so your your normal sort of color schools of magic are not uh, not defined yet so there's like elemental magic and battle magic and it, it seems to be much rawer doesn't it so I, I really i think the magic seems quite interesting to me um i the the, the other um sort of new rule i really like the look of was the morale um yeah and um the the sort of different levels of of the of the break test that, that you can um or the, the the results on the break test that you can um that you take as a result of, of losing combat. So if, if, if you only lose combat by a small amount, it, it looks like, you know, you, you're not running for the hills. Uh, whereas if you, you know, there's like, I think there's three stages, isn't there? You've got like an ordered retreat or a hold your ground and then a, a full on leg it. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, I think I remember one of the earlier articles, they said they didn't want magic to be uh, combat <coughs> to be, you know, just two units in combat for the entire game. So it looks like someone will always kind of like fall back potentially but you, you might like you say if you if you fail by a small margin you just basically split off from the other unit yeah where like you... give ground it, it it's called and you just kind of maybe just fall back but you, you kind of brace yourself ready to to get charged but equally the, the the attacker can then choose to maybe go into you um but then there's a fallback in good order which doesn't seem like you've lost the combat you've fallen back but you're okay and then obviously we then get the traditional break and flee where you know, I assume that each falling back through units and stuff also has a negative effect. It it, it definitely seems a lot more crunchy than um, Age of Sigma, and arguably more crunchy than than Warhammer Fantasy. And I guess my worry is that with 75 Universal Special Rules, we get the Horus Heresy problem of there's lots of flicking through the book. However, you do tend to find that after you've played a few games, you do remember these keywords, don't you? Yeah, and I mean, you're right about the Horus Heresy, but I think one of the main issues with the, the amount of special rules in the Horus Heresy is the fact that they're not structured very well in the rule book itself. You, yeah. You, you know, and I think there were reasons for that. But, you know, hopefully the old world, all these special rules are in one chapter that you can easily reference. And like you say, once you've had a few games under your belt, I mean, it doesn't phase me, I don't think, but it's, it's horses for courses, isn't it? 
Yeah, I mean, I guess arguably Heresy's got the problem that it's split across the two books, and I guess in a perfect world we'd see a revised core book for Heresy with all the Universal Special Rules in, mm-hmm. just because at the time they were writing it they weren't finished yet. Exactly. Um, yeah. Hopefully we haven't got that problem in, in in the old world. I'm really excited to see it. It looks it looks really good. It looks like the best of both worlds of all like previous editions of of Warhammer. Yeah, yeah and we've actually seen some profiles and things now as well because um, we saw today was it the grail knight the grail knights 38 points each they're expensive boys aren't they one wound <laughs> toughness four i noticed they were initiative spaces. five and i'm thinking oh i'm pretty sure only elves were initiative five back in the day but maybe not yeah, but elves also had always strikes first as well they did this is true yeah this is true um so yeah i, I really like that they've put all the special rules as as, as you know usrs with where you can look them up early, uh, later and just like with heresy it means that say what a certain monster might have had ogres for example do impact hits one where a monster does impact hits d3 or something they don't have to have the same rule but slightly different wording to convey different things do they they just have it you know yeah all around there so really really looking forward to that and um, i think we get the final one next week and then just you know that closes out the year maybe at the start of the year we'll see this go up for pre-order then who knows um, and finally, we've also had, and this ties into our main section quite well, Miniature of the Year 2023. Has anybody submitted anything for these over the years? Basically, you vote what your favourite model that's been released in the year is, and then they do a bit of a kind of award ceremony and crown it. The the Minotaurium containers were cheated back in, I don't know, 2016 <laughs> or something. <laughs> I think I voted for um, Angron. You voted for Angron? Ooh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, same. I voted for Angron. I think he was easy. In fact, I've actually, um, as a recording, I think about two days ago, bought Angron for Christmas present for myself. So, yeah, I voted for Angron as well. Vote Angron. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I'd probably go for the Lion, which puts us on completely reverse roles, guys. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. So, yeah, so so we've had had a hefty news section, but um, for the next segment... We're going to be taking a little journey down 2023 and having a look at all the stuff that's been released. It's crazy to think that it is December and we've had a whole 12 months of brand new Warhammer um, models and books and all sorts. I mean... I can't even remember what came out in January, which is why Matt has quite kindly taken on the year in review section. I believe you've got it all out in front of you, Matt, to take I us do. through. I do. And I quite enjoy, I enjoy doing this because I go through this and I'm like, I forgot that came out this year. <laughs> um, there's been a lot of stuff. So it only feels like five minutes ago that I did the last one as well, which is terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, so January kicked off for the start with uh, Horus Ascended. A second model for the Primarch of the Sons of Horus, the War Master, the the true Emperor. Yeah, that fight didn't go so well, did it? Um, <laughs> but no, he was an amazing, amazing model. And and Jay, even as a loyalist, you've got to admit this is a pretty special model, isn't it? Oh, I think he's I think he's awesome. And and yeah, I mean, I, we've not seen him on the battlefield yet, Matt. I really want to pit my Sanguinius against him, to be fair. A after, points. Yeah. yeah. Especially after reading the um, the end and the death part too, but um, uh, no, an incredible. And I'm pretty sure this one didn't this just surprise us. We weren't expecting it. It wasn't 
announced that we were expecting a new Primark model. I think we got I think we got a preview not long before it, but it certainly wasn't a long kind of run uh, up to it. It was like boom, new Primark, new new Horus yeah, not, model. Not like um, not like Fulgrim later in the year, but yeah, no, really really cool model. I, I do like him. I mean, I like the original Horus model as well, but this one is a much more menacing looking. I mean, you could get away with using the first Horus and painting him in white armor as a great crusader or Horus, couldn't you? He looks quite inspiring. Whereas this uh, Horus Ascended model is uh, much more demonic looking. Yeah, it's uh, I, I, it was such good fun to paint up as well. And I kind of hope that, you've mentioned this before in the past, that we get kind of more different takes on Primarchs as the series goes on as well. Yeah, I'd love to see uh, a new Dawn model with his sword and shield that what he uses to fight um, Fulgrim on the Saturnine Wall. Um, and then, like you say, uh, new updated rules to use the Primarchs at different times in the Heresy. I mean, yeah. Demon Primarchs is an obvious one, but I, I think there's 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 some scope to also look at some of the, the Loyalist Primarchs as well. They go on a bit of a journey themselves, I think. You do, yeah. So I, 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 I'm glad that they're doing stuff like this, and it's fun to see. Like all bets are off now with Heresy. You know, they could they could tomorrow announce. I don't know. We've got a new plastic Heresy Gulliman coming out or something. You know, it, it could be anything. Stuff that we would not think of at all. Uh, also, stuff that we wouldn't think of is: Did you know in January, between kind of Battle Tome and Codex releases, and um, kind of army sets? We had four armies released in January. Um, the Slaves of Darkness got their army set. The Astra Militarum got an army set. And then we had battle terms for the Beasts of Chaos and the Gloomspite Gits. Oh, jeez. Um, so the, the, the Slaves of Darkness box was amazing, and they're really good fun. I know they've not been like the most competitive as late, but I think they're a really nice-looking army. We were just talking off-camera um, <laughs> about what kind of place... The, um, the 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 warriors of chaos slaves slaves of darkness will have in the old world. I really hope that some of these models will be usable in the old world. But uh, Andy was just chatting that we think that they're probably going to a bit big compared to some of those old units, mm. which is a shame. But uh, hopefully, hopefully can. Um, Dave, you you did the Astra Militarum part of our uh, coverage. What I, I take it you were a big fan of this release. Oh, yeah, massive. I mean, I'd wanted a guard army for so long, uh, and it was the perfect jumping on point. Um, I still love the army now. I love the book. There's still units that I need to to, to paint and to build for them. Um, the fact that like it's it very quickly became the largest painted army that I've got says a lot, really. <laughs> yeah, and then Beast of Chaos and Lumos White gets getting new new books. There wasn't many new models out. We got the, the Wolf Riders for the Gits and the new uh, Lord for the beast of chaos and i wonder if because a lot of that is probably down to those two factions in their old world incarnations are probably going to get some support wouldn't surprise me if the old gores and ungores maybe get some love in the old world and maybe even some stuff for for orcs and goblins too Mm. so yeah um we also did a bit of a a bit of a promo stuff for the kickstarter of two thin coats wave two way back in january guys wow (laughs) So we, that long ago. We, we were very kindly sent the the, the new uh, wave of paints by uh, Transatlantis Games, and and I've got to say they are really really good paints. Have, have you guys had to play around with the new colours? I've got my wave two box here for the high elves. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to um, cracking these open and um, and using them. I've this used. Is... Oh, sorry, Matt. Oh, go on. 
I've used a couple. Um, the only one that I can remember the name of is Gizmo Fur, which I think was <laughs> named after um, was it his pet dog? Yeah, I think. Um, bless her, that's a great that's a great kind of like deserty kind of brown kind of color. Uh, I I just love all the, the 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 previous range, and yeah, I need to use more of Wave Two myself. The best part is the glazers. So if you liked the old Games Workshop glazers, the red, blue, green, yellow are pretty much exact colour matches, but then they've got some other colours too, um, which you can do some interesting things with. So I painted up the, I forget what they're called, the Thrice Fold Discord or something, the Slanesh Warband for um, Underworlds. Oh, yeah. And I painted them in, is a, a, a greeny grey that is part of Wave 2. Um, it kind of a, a trial that goes from a dark green grey up to a grey. Um, and then I went over that with a purple glaze that gave you a really kind of unnatural, weird looking purple. Because you had the, the, the green works quite well as an, a, an under colour for the purple. And because it's, it's hard to explain it, but because it's been highlighted up through greens and greys, when you put the purple over it, it just gives it that weird kind of like alien tint. I might, mm. I might do something similar on Fulgrim when we get to him uh, moving into february andy you know you were excited about this one the world eaters exploded onto the scene um this was a big a big release as well so we had um angron himself the big boy but uh, pretty much a whole new kind of wave of releases and admittedly the army is probably quite limited at the minute we could probably do with a a proper corn terminator unit and maybe a demon engine or something but i think this was a pretty good release yeah, I still don't think I've been able to get a hold of Exalted 8-bound um, since February. So, yeah, they must be uh, they must be very popular. If you know, I've, I've got some boxes, Andy. I might be able to hit you up. Oh, Blood for Blood God. Blood for Blood God. So, yeah, so I, 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 um, yeah, I need to finish painting my army. I painted the Angle and he was great fun. I've been working on a lot of schools as well. <laughs> um, uh, we also had Stormbringer magazine explode onto the scene on February. Now this has been a really good value one, hasn't it, Dave? It has indeed, Matt. Yeah, it's it's been really good. You've got I would say Stonecast on one side, but actually you've got kind of two-thirds Stonecast, and you've got um, a bit of sort of of other order factions. You've got some Sylvaneth in there. You've got some Caradron Overlords, uh, and they're facing off, to me, probably one of the most exciting sides, and that's the Destruction, which is primarily Cruel Boys, but then you've got quite a large contingency of um, Gloomspite Gits and a little yeah. dabbling of uh, Iron Jaws as well. You know what? I, I think it's predominantly Gloomspite Gits. Yeah, there's a lot based of based on models. Yeah, and obviously I've I'm, I may have picked up a few of these issues to fuel my old world army because all of those units are going to be usable in the old world. It seems this podcast everything's going back to the old world, isn't it? <laughs> it does <laughs> seem that way. All roads lead to the old world. They do indeed. Yeah, we also saw the Arcs of Omen series over the first part of the year, and um, I, I, I don't know if you guys all read this, but I thought it was a really, really good series. I really like these Games Workshop kind of like I call them like edition bridging stories that kind of sets up the storyline for the next edition. What's mm-hmm. interesting about Arcs of Omen though is that there's no there's no reference to the Tyranids at all. If anything, I yeah. think the storyline here actually <laughs> sets up the following edition. Mm. Yeah, you're right. Actually, that's weird, isn't it? I think they've done things a little bit differently this time around because I think Indomitus was a little bit isolated that we had all this this law going on and then nothing happened. Where now I think they're they're putting out Crusade books, aren't they? 
you know, with the first one coming out in January, I think, which is about the Adeptus Mechanicus going back into the Prion Nexus. So I, I suspect that what we'll see, rather than just this like edition bridging series of books, that over the edition in these Crusade supplements, we'll see the storyline start to progress. We might see some little breadcrumbs that we can start following. Mm. And then obviously at the end of 10th, we'll get this similar kind of series. But yeah, I thought Arx Rome was really good. Um, if only for the um, the awesome spaceship based missions mm. and that cool oh, yeah. scenery that came with it. Um, speaking of cool spaceship stuff, the, the, in a, another marketing genius move, um, all of the Kill Team releases were set on board a spaceship so you could use the scenery in both games. And Soul Shackle came out with new plastic Adeptus Arbites. Mm. Yeah, they were nice models. The I'd Judge Dread. Released, to be honest, Inspired. yeah, they're, they're basically, basically Judge Dread. Yeah, um, we also saw Blood Hunt for Warcry and a Space Marine box with Strike Force Augustus with the new Dreadnought and the ridiculous rocket launcher guys. <laughs> they still divide opinion, don't they? They do. I mean, I'd have preferred to have seen like a a, a Primaris Devastator team, but that's arguably what they are, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, you're um, right. So going into March, we saw a load of releases. Again, we we were very battle tome heavy with Caradron Overlords, Slanesh and Corn all coming out in March, all with new models as well, even if it was just one model. We also saw Vashtor, a brand new Chaos God, which is super exciting for me. And we also saw new models for Farsight and Snickrot. I think March was a really good month. I know the um, nice. the Farsight you painted up, Jay, looked gorgeous. Yeah, he's a really smart model, Farsight. It's just behind me here, yeah. Um, when was that? March. Wow. March, yeah. <laughs> Can you believe it? So, yeah, and going into April, um, we got more Battle Tomes for Bone Reapers, Grave Lords, and Terraform. It's almost as if the new edition of Age of Sigma might be out next year, and I want to make sure everybody had a book. I'm mm. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> um, we also saw The Lion release alongside oh. his uh, Arcs of Omen book and the awesome Gondor scenery. Yeah. Which yeah. is a, an amazing scenery range. Yeah, that's really like modular, isn't it? You can mm. um, Yeah, I, I did like that scenery. Yeah, so so lots of cool stuff. Um going into May, we had Warhammer Fest and this was an event that again has divided opinion. Um and I don't know if we've we've gone into the ins and outs of it on here. It was um, I don't think it was as good as the old um, Games Days and mm, even no. the old Warhammer Fest in Coventry. I mean, it's been a long time since we've all been together, so I don't know if we're a little round room, kind of round the room on on what we thought were the good bits and bad bits of Warhammer Fest. I really liked the um, the presentations. I thought they were great through the through the over the course of a few days. It wasn't great queuing up for them, and no. I think you know it would have been nice to have a bigger audience for them. Um, and you know what, what you know what got me. I I I wonder if they've misjudged. A lot of the US events are very tournament heavy. Yeah. I, I suspect every single person there wanted to see those things. So why not have them in the main hall? They had a stage in there. Arguably, you could have the 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 events, the the tournaments in that other little room, which basically just became the queuing area for the. Um, for the auditorium and have those big reveals in the main hall while everyone's there that if you're in the shop or milling around you can see them as they're happening i think that would have been the yeah. best bet yeah, yeah i would have liked um <clears throat> lots more sort of participation games as well do you know, like just table sell like the old games days where every store brought their own table yeah 
there's a lot of there was a lot of space that wasn't used. The, the, was, yeah. the scavenger hunt was fun, but a lot of that space they could have just had like yeah demo tables on. I know that you know staffing's obviously an issue on there, isn't it? Because all the stores in Games Days past, every Games Workshop store closed that day. Um, and, and they all came to to, to Warhammer Fest slash Games Day. But I guess there's probably a marketing thing where mm, do we want every Warhammer store closed that day? Now you could argue, well, if every Warhammer fans at Warhammer Fest, then do they need yeah. to be open? <laughs> yeah, I I enjoyed it. Um, there on paper seemed to be quite a bit going on, but we very quickly ran out of things to do. I think there was a lot of wasted space. Um. My only other criticism criticism would be, obviously, the the big draw was 10th edition, wasn't it? Everybody wanted to get their hands on it. And the the queue to have a a sort of test game of 10th edition was was insane. I think they only had like four tables running. Now, we don't really know the reason behind that. I kind of assumed that it was down to how many copies of Leviathan they had painted or at least a slight number of models from it. Uh, And again, Matt, like you say, maybe it was a staffing thing as well. But... um, for being the big draw of the event, just having the four or five participation tables was quite disappointing. But like Jay said, I enjoyed the reveals and um, the atmosphere was great. Um, you know, quite a few of their third party support were there. So you could play someone like the, the iOS games and stuff. You also had like um, the, the big Titans and stuff. So there was quite a bit going on, but you did feel like you sort of, you know, I, you were there the whole weekend, Andy and, and Matt, and you must have been really struggling to find things to do. Yeah, well, we'd, we'd plugged yeah, I... for the um, the VIP ticket as well, hadn't we, Andy, with the gift box? I don't know if you want to share some thoughts on that. Yeah, so uh, we went for the um, gift box, which I think it was about £140, I think it mm-hmm. was, for a three-day ticket as well. And when when we got it, it, it was fine. Like, it's not too bad. Like, I still wear my T-shirt and stuff like that, which is really nice. But then when I heard about the the golden ticket, you know, I mean, all right, fine, it's a thousand pound. But when you when you hear about like the amount of stuff that you get for that one thousand pound, and I think they got two hundred and fifty quids worth of Games Workshop vouchers, which you had to use in the store there and then, sort of thing as well. But yeah, um, that seemed really good value. I mean, oh, <laughs> going back now, but um. I took part in the Warcry event on the Sunday, I think it was, the middle mm. day. Um, and that was really good fun. Um, nice, small. Didn't have to bring a full-blown army. I could just, you know, rock around with 10 models in my case. And, yeah, it it, it broke up the weekend. But I, my big criticism was I didn't feel like there was enough going on to hold my interest the whole weekend if I hadn't been at that Warcry event. Yeah, you know, you know, what I really surprised me at the 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 bring and paint table. They were still using the 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 Primaris Marine and the Stormcast Eternal. They used like you can walk into a GW and paint those models. I really don't understand why they didn't have I don't know a Terminator and a Termigant from the new 10th mm. edition box. But yeah. people would have queued and done that. Um, yeah. I I did one of the painting classes. I think the painting classes were the best part of the weekend. Obviously, there was limited spaces, and it's an additional purchase as well. And you know, obviously, people's budgets may vary on that. And full disclosure, we we 
got invited um with press tickets by games workshop but me and andy like we said we bought those those the kind of vip bundles and all of the kind of add-on events you know we paid for out of pocket as well so i felt like i got my money's worth for the the painting session and this is interesting because you did a different one didn't you later andy um so i did the non-metallic yeah. metal um painting tutorial which was really really good it was a small class probably about 20 people tops um presented by nick baton you got provided all the paints and brushes and model that you needed to do and we basically spent an hour and whatever it was painting a sword half of a sword um but it was really really good because you could have that one-on-one tuition where nick would come around and have a chat with you and show you the technique and it's, it's all well and good watching a video but it's very different having you know an accomplished painter showing you in person how to do those glazes and transitions and stuff and i thought that was very very good um, and what was even better we then got given a a kind of a box and then after the class we could go out and collect i think we got like 10 paints for free which yeah. is like that ne- that nearly covers the price of the ticket anyway and the bits that you used in the class you could take with you and you had a class with nick teaching you how to paint on metallic metal that to me was the best part of the event now you had a slightly different experience on yours didn't you andy yeah so i went for the basing um class which i think was on the monday morning and um don't get me wrong the the, the two um warhammer staff that were you know do, running the class and stuff were absolutely phenomenal you know you could have a laugh with them they were very professional you know um but i felt like the class was aimed more at a new hobbyist and for a new hobbyist i think it was absolutely phenomenal um but for someone who's been in the hobby for about 20 odd years now i i I kind of didn't get that much from it um and then you mentioned um matt that you got like some free paints and stuff like that we didn't get anything um and i I think think it was the same price yeah i think it was the same price as well which i'm not gonna lie that that stung um to the point where i i if i went back for another class next year it wouldn't be that one and yeah i i'd almost be at that stage where i'd be asking for a refund if it was the same exact same situation again um but yeah yeah i mean it didn't dampen the weekend for me i still enjoyed it i still enjoyed the class um i think it was it was worth the money, but again, for me, who's you know, I, I can base models, you know, know what I know what I'm doing and know what I like. Um, yeah, I, I didn't feel like it was worth it to me. It's just funny that I got like you know thirty, forty quid worth of paints and a painting class, and you got a, I guess, a more basic one and no paints. I don't understand the the split, and maybe they should have been more. I don't know. Um, when the tickets went on sale, it was a bit of a free for all, wasn't it? Because people were worried about things yeah. selling out, and I'd have liked to have had a bit more prep, where maybe the day before they they list everything that's on, so you can make a bit of a plan and work out what tickets you wanted to get. Because a lot of these classes were, we we got them like the, the hour they went up, and they were selling out there and then, weren't they, Andy? <laughs> trying to make yeah. a bit of an agenda between us of, of what we're going to cover there's like some really good ones that i'd have liked to have done uh face painting not like you know face painting but painting model faces <laughs> and an airbrush class yeah. and all stuff like that just sold out instantly so i think there's a lot they can learn for next year and i, I guess the big question mark is that do you think they'll do warhammer fest again or will they maybe go to a, another european location maybe i think they'll do a warhammer fest again 
I, 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 I think strongly it'd be think crime that. not to. Yeah. With and then they'll learn, learn, maybe. Yeah, they'll they'll learn from this experience, but absolutely, they'll they'll do an event on this scale again. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and obviously we're you know a UK focused um, podcast. We did chat to the the global events team a couple of months ago, didn't we, uh, Dave? And some of the US events they've been putting on sound phenomenal. Oh man, I mean, some of the narrative stuff they are doing is absolutely incredible. Um, so let's hope that next year brings some of that over here. Yeah, even down to things like um, there was different battlefields. It was the uh, the grand narrative, and one of the battlefields was on an ice planet. So <laughs> in that room, they dialed the temperature down so it was colder oh, yes. in that room. That's just incredible. That's just so good. You can't get much more immersive than that. So so hopefully we get something like that in the UK. I don't think there's any plans for anything like that immediately, but I hope we can get that in teeny tiny little form in Warhammer World if the events team are listening to this episode. <laughs> um, also in May, uh, we got Weird Hollow. It feels like I've had about three um, Underworld starter boxes since this one came out, but yeah, that one came out back in May. We also had Nightmare Quest for um Warcry, as Andy mentioned earlier, with the uh the flesh eater courts and the Siege of Cathonia supplement. Now I'm surprised we've only had one of these supplements this year. And I was uh, Jay, I think you probably agree, hoping for a bit more of a faster pace for these books coming out. It was a really, really good book, but I'm hungry for more narrative content for Horus Heresy. Yeah, more I want to see Siege of Terror. There's so many yeah. cool battles that I've read about in the last ten books and oh, where are the rules to play them? Yeah, so so hopefully we get more of those. Uh, June was the big one, though, and I, I think we spent the majority of May writing stuff for June. Uh, it was the 10th edition release of Warhammer 40k, the Leviathan oh, yeah. box. With a lot of articles <laughs> All the indexes. On, all the indexes, a lot of videos. Um, but I, I think Leviathan, I think, was a really, really good book. Um, it was a uh, box, sorry. The the miniatures looked amazing. It was great fun playing those. And I think they did well bringing out all those armies day one as well. I don't know if you guys agree. Yeah, I agree. And there's, yeah. Obviously, there's some balanced things in there and, you know, things that they've tweaked after. But I think that was a pretty good launch as far as launches go. Um, it was also the 40 years of Warhammer and Royal Mail released a stamp set. And the most bizarre part in June is when I got an email from Royal Mail asking if we wanted to do some coverage for their stamps. <laughs> um yeah that's the thing that happened this year Uh, and they were really cool as well i need to frame them and put them up because they're really cool um going into july we had a fairly quiet month after the chaos of um of 40k what what we used to get in the past was the big release of the big box set and then we'd go immediately into the the um, battle tomes or the codexes and the last couple of releases games which have been moved away from that because i think people's wallets are probably crying a little bit after the release of the game so we had a fairly quiet july uh, the new general's handbook came out which thankfully went back to 12 months rather than six months which i think you guys will agree is a good change um, and jay, jay you've probably not played much aos and i don't know if you have played anything from this one dave i've probably played more games than you guys um so so this has a focus on magic and casters and there was a mechanic in there where the player who goes second can cast an additional spell and then also there's a chance of generating wild magic dice that you can it's a bit of a callback to to six dice and things back in warhammer fantasy where you can basically choose to overcharge your cast by adding this extra dice but if you roll a double one you explode and everyone near you explodes it'll bring back flashbacks of your elder army jay <laughs> those warlocks 
Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah, that was against Mortarium, wasn't it? The whole Seer Council. Boom, 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 yeah. boom. So, so basically, you can risk adding extra dice with that being the uh, the outcome if you if you roll a double one. Uh, in addition to that, we had Gutter Bowl come out. This was cool. It's basically like five-a-side Blood Bowl on the streets with, like, non-league teams, mm. which is a great concept. Um, we also had the new edition of Necromunda come out, which was more a uh, nothing massive change, but more kind of tidy up. The big exciting thing for me, though, was the launch of the Dawnbringer series. Mm. So we mentioned the 40k getting its end of edition kind of storyline. This is the Age of Sigmar one, and it tells the tale of two Dawnbringer crusades heading out, one into the realm of fire, one into the realm of life, uh, basically out to, to establish a new city of Sigmar. Uh, one of these crusades will succeed. One of these crusades will fail. And it has been, again, a really, really fun series to read. You've been reading along with this one as well, haven't you, Dave? I've really been enjoying the narrative. Yeah, they, they just keep getting better. These kind of end of edition books, haven't they? Mm, yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it's um, it's become a bit of a uh, I guess it's like the season finale of the edition, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, which is really right. cool. Yeah. Um, moving into August, we had Crypt of Blood for Warcry. I know you enjoyed painting up that one, Dave. It was probably yes. light scenery, but some really cool scenery in there. Yeah, I, it was a scenery I really concentrated on in that set, and it really wanted me to um, to get my original kind of I can't what it was called the Gardens of Moor finished. Hmm. Um, those scenery pieces, um, and it was great. Obviously, getting hold of two little new Warcry warbands as well. I've re- I've been meaning to paint those vampires up to add and create a, a Warcry war like a full Warcry warband with it's a great little box yeah we also got the plastic serastis knights come out phenomenal kit I had great fun painting them up and epic was released and then wasn't released <laughs> <laughs> um, it was meant to come out in august and things happened um so moving swiftly on to september the cities of sigma launch box came out that's a phenomenal set as well um we also got codex tyranids and strike force just darren um, I forget what that one is. That, that is was the, the that was the um, box, isn't it? Yeah, it was the blind boxes. So you can either buy the the big box and get all the models, or you can take your chance and buy a, a box and see which model you got. Um, I was lucky enough to to paint those. They're they're really fun little dynamic um, models, and also the they got their own kill team rules. You miss out on some of the sort of flavor of like having a full kill team, but if you just wanted a quick kill team to like build and paint and get some games in, it was a great little warband. Yeah, no, that's really cool. Uh, we also got Blood Bowl Vampires, finally. We got more Serastis Knights. I think the big release, for, and the Tyranids were amazing with all the new models, like the Norn Emissary is awesome, and the City Sigma box. But what I really liked was the uh, the Dawnbringer release for September, which was Trug, the uh, the king of the Trug. Oh, yeah, the Trug. And also yeah. the Iron Jaws, Dave. Yeah. Oh, man, the Tusk Boss. What an incredible model. Um, And also one of the most satisfying models to build. Yeah. What a, what a kit that was. Awesome. Uh, moving on to October, we had the big Space Marine release. They got their codex and a load of new kits. Um, they were pretty cool. We also got Warcry Hunter and Hunted, which I think is my favourite Warcry box we've had this year. Pitting the um, the the cities of Sigmar hunters against the um, the 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 uh, Uruks. Hmm. Uh, not the Uruks. The Ogres. The Ogres. Ogres. Um, yeah. Oh, what are they? They're like the gorgeous. Feral Ogres, aren't they? Gorgeous. That's it. Yeah, they they were really I really enjoyed painting them up and it kind of got me kind of wanting to paint some more ogres, which I might do for the old world, everything comes back to the old world. Um <laughs> we also got Death Gorge, our second 
um, War, uh, Underworld starter box of the year. I, I don't know, guys. I wish they went back to annual releases for them. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, you know, it, it feels like you haven't got you know chance to play with them before the next box is out. And I guess you know they're all compatible, aren't they? But I think I preferred the one big box and then like six warband releases kind of model. Yeah. Um, we also got Necromunda Ruins of Jardlam, which is the the next part. And I, I, I don't know. It's been it's been unclear whether this is the conclusion of that story arc because it kind of ends on a bit of a cliffhanger. Essentially, over this um, the last kind of eighteen months, I suppose these books have been coming out. This is the story of the status quo being completely smashed apart on Necromunda, with Lord Helmore being dead. Yeah, mm. he's dead, and basically the the that kind of vacuum and power struggle over who replaces him civil war on the planet we've got the ash waste nomads out in force and then the the it's been out a couple of months now so we're going to spoil the territory uh dave will put in a timestamp here for people who want to uh avoid any spoilers spoiler warning the main um the main story thread is about this this creature called the aranthian who is on necromunda who was once a power on necromunda and it's implied that this is a artificial being now i don't know if it's a man of iron or a necron or something that we haven't seen before but it's a synthetic human uh, and there was multiples of the Aranthians, and they used to rule the planet and there's been a bit of a religious cult that worship it as a god and this thing has awoken and it is now taking command of necromunda oh it sounds cool it sounds almost like it could be a votan yeah, it's 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 something, and obviously there's been hints of like stuff that we don't quite know what's happening in the Necromunda background. So I'm, I, I I don't know whether there's another book coming after this or that's the end of the series, maybe just priming up the next expansion. But I really want to know what the Aranthian is because it sounds cool and robots are cool. <laughs> um, we also saw an awesome release in October, and this is, again, it's been hard picking favourite models this year, because I think this one is actually my favourite model. Uh, Cryptborn on his dragon, and Belthanos, the first thorn. Um, yeah. They're, they're so good. You painted Belthanos, didn't you, Jay? I got Belthanos painted, and I built, I bought a load of um, of the spite, um, the, the bug cavalry. Uh, and I do intend to get that little project off the ground properly, uh, once I've got a bit of time in my hobby calendar, um, it very almost got me playing Age of Sigmar again. Um, <laughs> really, really nice model. Yeah, it's and and Cryptborn is just. Um, you both seen it in the flesh now, haven't you? It's such a cool model, and the, the possibility of doing a full dragon army, but using those big dragons as battle line means it's a bit of a different flavour to the days where we had like a million dragons that could just do all the mortal wounds to your turn one. Yeah. So, yeah, moving into November, the year is nearly over with loads more releases. The big one here, I say the big one, there's multiple big ones here, but Fulgrim, Transfigured, was oh, released. Yeah, I mean, I can't wait for you to get this guy built and painted. Yeah, um, normally, normally I have him built, but I want to do a decent job on him. So Duncan's just put out his paint guide yesterday, and I think I want to follow that. Um, yeah. he, he, uses it, he wanted to see what sub-assemblies he does, and, and he uses the, the two thin coats range to paint it up. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to take my time and just wait for his guide because I want to do it justice. Yeah, that's cool. This was the Primark that we were waiting for since we saw the um, Horace Hosey roadmap back at Warhammer Fest. It was, and yeah. we went, oh, could it be this one? Could it be that? Fulgrim, I mean, Fulgrim was always a possibility, but I, I thought, you know, the Demon Primarchs, 
they get, you know, you've got Plastic Mortarian, Plastic Angron, Plastic Magnus, Fulgrim, he'll get a plastic kit at some point. I can't see him doing a resin one. It's got to be the Khan on bike, hasn't it? No, maybe it could be a new Dawn. Fulgrim. No one was model. expecting that. It is so good. It's 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 a bit of an intimidating model. I've painted a lot of models, but this this guy looks like he's going to be fun. So yeah, I want to I want to do a decent job on him, and then once he's done, I'm going to do the, the uh, just before this, the Exemplary Battles Volume One came out, and that's a really cool book. A lot of people were disappointed because it just kind of reused a lot of the articles on Warcom, but I think they were very open and upfront about that. And I prefer having a book than than PDFs anyway. The new stuff in there uh, is basically about traitor legions. So up until this point, the army construction for Horus Heresy is very much at the outset of the Horus Heresy. We're now starting to see some late heresy stuff. So a lot of your rights of war and stuff, if you take Fulgrim, you were very much locked into that time period of this is the siege of terror. So the the organisation of the armies is quite different. The the the, the sons of uh, the the emperor's children aren't really disciplined at that point. They're just stark raving bonkers, aren't they? Um, <laughs> so there's the special rights of war that you you have to take one of them because the, because the way the army works is very different and they get different rules and even some of their units like the phoenix, um, the guard and stuff get different different rules that replace the older ones and i quite like that a, a lot of people were disappointed that they didn't get all the best bits of the the not loyalist but the the non-corrupted version plus some benefits and i think there should always be a downside to corruption that's kind of like a, a thing that we've seen through the siege of terror books haven't we jay yeah where yeah. you know you've got characters who maybe aren't touched by corruption like abaddon seeing the effect that it's having on like their own forces yeah it, it, it's cool and um, like you say just being able to um play through some of the sort of uh, experiences that are happening in the books you know to represent those sort of combatants is really really cool yeah i'm hoping i'm hoping exemplary volumes two to four uh covers like the plastic demon primark models as well and being able to add them to traitor forces yeah i hope that too so i can then i can uh, summon them with my word bearers <laughs> I hope the loyalists get a bit of love as well. They do need you know, some love at this point. But Khan, yeah, the, the, the Emperor, they do well to stand up against these uh, chaos-infused Primarchs, and you know, yeah. So in, in November, we also got a pair of codexes. We talked about them earlier. Necrons Adeptus Mechanicus battle report coming soon. Both really cool books. I I don't know about you. We did one review each, but I actually enjoyed the Adeptus Mechanicus book more than the, the Tyranid book. Um, I mean, the Necrons was the first one I did. I, I I really like the Necron one actually. I like the diversity in the detachments. Um, yeah, I'd probably say that was my favourite tenth edition book so far. But I have been reading a lot of the Space Marine one at the moment. Um, and that's really cool too. So it's maybe a hard one for me. Yeah, and then finally, these the Imperials have released. Note for reals this time. Yes, it was delayed in the warp a little bit. And Jay, you haven't played this yet, but. It's just so cool. It captures the feel of the early editions of Epic. So if you've joined maybe for the the later editions, it has got a different feel to it. It is more, I guess, grand strategy. What I really like about it is that you secretly put your orders down on all the units and then you alternate activations um, during each phase. So in, you know, based on what orders you put down, you can operate in different phases. So you might want to sacrifice 
um, the ability to shoot in order to move faster or maybe sacrifice the ability to move in order to fire before anybody else. So there's a real kind of rock, paper, scissors vibe and, and you know, combat's brutal. Your little infantry are going to die horrifically, but your little infantry are the best at taking objectives. And I feel in a campaign, if you used a mixture of Imperialist battles and Horus Heresy battles, you could tell a really cool story through an entire battle. Like the Siege of Terror, I think it'd really suit, you know, if they had a, a Siege of Terror supplement for Imperialis and a Siege of Terror supplement to Horus Heresy at the same time and be able to, like we see in the books, Jay, go from that big grand scale to then zooming into this is an area of the wall and this is one battle that's happening at the same time. Yeah, yeah. It'd be so awesome. It'd be so awesome. And then finally, we get to December. We had the Flesh Eater Courts army set, which I painted up and I fell in love with. And I need to paint more Flesh Eaters as soon as possible. I've never really dabbled in them before. And I think one of the things that put me off was the really, really old models. So the fact that they've got a brand new range now is so cool. And just on the horizon, announced the other day, is Kill Team Salvation pitting the Space Marine Scouts against the uh, the Striking Scorpions, um, which interests both uh, you two, doesn't it, Dave and Jay? Another plastic aspect warrior squad to add to the Eldar army, and it's quite fitting as well. My Latok Eldar are quite a sneaky Eldar faction with their rangers and snipers and um, shroud runners, so uh, I do have some of the old um, the metal, I just prefer metal over the rest, and the metal Striking Scorpions, but I'll be replacing those with some of these plastic Striking Scorpions for sure. Jay, quick question. Which do you yep, think is yep. your next, next aspect you're getting in plastic? Oh, I, I would love it to be warp spiders. Warp spiders? Warp spiders. Okay. You know what? I could see um, swooping hawks come in. Swooping hawks as well. Yeah, swooping hawks. Uh, they are nice models, but the, yeah, I'll stick with warp spiders. <laughs> I love warp spiders. <laughs> so, yeah, and that, that brings the year to a close now. I don't think there's anything else coming out that we don't know about sneaking into the end of the year. I suspect we'll probably get a preview at the end of the year with with releases going in. What what have you been your kind of like highlights of the year then, guys? Oh, highlights of the year. Well, well a lot one of good thing stuff. That, yeah, yeah. Um, the, the the I've liked the Horus Heresy releases this year. I'm a big fan of the Horus Heresy game, and I've liked the releases we've had for the year. There's been a variety of different character models that have come out, um, yeah. new champions and. Um, uh, the um, the Siege of Cofona, uh stuff with the uh, the Centurions for the Imperial Fist and the um, Sons of Horus, um, all the tank, way through. To... Tank fatigue seems to have ended for the Heresy as well. I didn't even write them in this, but we had uh, the the Typhon and the Vindicator, and it seems like we just had tank after tank after tank getting released. I think all the tanks are out their system now, aren't they? Yeah, that's it. So I mean, we've got the Assault Marines to finish the year off with, and then hopefully going into next year, we start seeing things like new land speeders. Um, maybe the uh, rapier artillery batteries and things like this um so yeah so i've, I've liked the the horus heresy releases this year obviously i thought the t- uh, 10th edition as well the space marine terminators and stern guards they were standout models for, for um for me as well looking back over the year for yeah me, well for me oh, sorry dave for me it'd have to be legions imperialis i'm a massive guys i'm a massive epic fan and the models did not disappoint and Critborn, i think is my model of the year uh, for me, um, I've really enjoyed. For years, I've wanted a guard army, and I'm I'm looking to my left, and I now have a painted guard army. Um, there's still more to paint, but yeah, that that was my highlight of the year. The guard getting new stuff and um, getting new rules and things that was really cool. Um, model of the year for me, um, 
even though I don't have an army of them and probably never will, I I really liked. It uh, was Angron this year. He was, wasn't he? Angron was this year. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Angron was probably my my model of the year, even though I I don't own him. Um, and like Jay just said, Leviathan was great. I've always fancied the Space Marine Army, to be honest, not as much as the Garland, but I've always fancied the Space Marine Army. And now, finally, with these new releases, I'm, I'm getting on board with them and, and building a Raven Guard Army. So, nice. yeah, get really inspired by that. What about you, Andy? Um, well, I mean, Angron, like you said, started the year really strong. But for me, um, I've been playing a lot of Kill Team and Warcry. So I think the Kill Team and Warcry boxes, for me, have uh, you know they, they they're definitely at the top of the list. I mean, Soul Shackle um, with the Arbites and the Hand of the Archon, that was such a cool box. Mm. Um, and then we've had like recently, you know, the Gorgers, um, the Scales of Talaxis scenery pack, absolutely yeah. drop dead gorgeous. Um, I mean, Tenth Edition was good, solid. Like you know, seeing people play it. You know, looking at the rules, it, it looks solid. It looks like a very good, interesting edition of 40k. Um, I just haven't played enough of it for it to really, you know, jump out at me. Um, General's Handbook, that was pretty good. Um, yeah, I mean, there's been so much really. I'm actually a bit gutted that I've not played a single game with the new General's Handbook because. If I'm honest, I probably slightly prefer Sigmar over 40k, but I just haven't got around to it. It's been a busy old year. There's been a lot of release, and I wonder if obviously they had the warehouse move, and for the last couple of weeks we've had two-week pre-orders, which is dialed up to three-week pre-orders. Now, you know, obviously we've got Christmas and stuff, so that means they've got you know a couple of weeks there with the the warehouse probably closed and you know the factory shot. Um, I do wonder, do you think a two slash three week pre-order period is actually better for Games Workshop than these constant breakneck pace that they've got at the minute? Two weeks, I think, is a nice a nice figure. I mean, obviously, when you're desperate for new toys, waiting two weeks sucks. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> um, but it gives them a better idea on numbers, doesn't it? Um, well, the the, 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 the models will already be built, but made at that point. They're not, yeah. they're not like making stuff. I think it more gives them time to get things packaged and sent out. Yeah, absolutely, and hopefully less sort of errors and things. I think I think two weeks is fine. I think three weeks is maybe uh, a bit too much. I know it's only a week in it, but yeah, two weeks is the the nice figure for me. Yeah, I mean we've got some odd situations, haven't we? We've got new Necromunda releases this week. We've got a new supplement book and the um. The, the the truck for the cops and they're not out till like the first week of january which feels super weird pre-ordering it this weekend doesn't it yeah yeah it does so yeah but no i think it's been an awesome 2023 and uh excited to see what 2024 holds Absolutely. old world old world it holds <laughs> old, world. <laughs> old world and some awesome heresy events yeah fingers crossed well um that was a great year in review thanks matt um look forward to seeing what the next 12 months bring uh, we're not quite done though we do have uh the top three coming up next So it is time for this week's top three. And for this week, we're going to be looking at our top scenery pieces. So this is a quite an interesting one. There's been lots from different um, sort of companies. Obviously, GW's a big one, but we've got the likes of Dark Fantastic Mills, etc. And um, so it's going to be interesting to see what you have all picked. I'm going to go first. 
Um, now, uh, I've gone for um, all GW here. Um, there are a few sort of other ones that kind of tempted me, but I've never really owned them and kind of had my hands on them, really. So um, I've gone, I've played it safe, and, and these are my top three. So my third choice is quite a small piece, but I still think it stands the test of time. Uh, and that's the Crash Tequila Lander from oh. the Battle for McCrag oh, yeah. uh, box set. What's nice about this is obviously it's quite a, a well-known um flyer in the universe that's been you know available through forge world um which is like really cool and it's crashed into the ground it's broken into little bits like you got part of a wing you've got like the main cockpit area but what was also really cool is it came with a little um like plasma power unit that you could take out so for narrative games i'm surprised we've never done it for narrative games you could have like a kill team going up to it and grabbing this power um sort of uh, battery kind of thing and then running off with it um which i thought was really cool um my second choice is an interesting one, and it's it's one of the reasons I want to collect the faction. It's an Age of Sigmar one, and it's the Bad Moon War Shri- uh, Loon Shrine. Ooh. Um, I think one of my favourite things of Age of Sigmar, and it's a shame that not all factions have got them, is the faction scenery. Uh, and I think the, the, the Gobbos have got the best one. Um, I think it's a really, like... It's a fun model to look at. It looks amazing to paint with all its little details and mushrooms and cages and stuff. Um, and it, you know, it's it, it's it's a real sort of eye-catching piece in your army as well. Um, so yeah, that that was my that was my second choice. Um, but leading the way is a piece of scenery that escaped me at least twice. And I really, really wish I got it. And I know you've got it, Matt. And that's the Warhammer Fantasy Manor. Can't remember what its actual <laughs> proper name the fortified was. Fortified Manor House. That's the one. Um, what a what a great kit that is. Proper traditional Warhammer Fantasy building, um, but you can still use it in Sigma. I think they re-released it as well, and I still missed out on it the second time. What a great scenery piece that is. Uh, let's go to you next, Jay. What's your what's your top three? Uh, my top three. Um, the first one um, is from the uh, from Middle Earth, and it's the uh, the weather top, the ruins oh, of um, Amon Sol. Um, I think they still make this. I think they do. Yeah, you can still get it. I I I have very nearly pulled the trigger a couple of times on this, Jay. Yeah, because I mean it's a big lump of resin, isn't it? But um, uh, and it's not cheap, but it is so cool. And you know, I think it would just be cool just to to paint up um, Strider, the Hobbits, and a few of the Nazgul, and play a few of the scenarios on the top of that. Um, here's here's a fun game before you move on to your next one, Jay. How much is Weathertop currently retailing for on Warhammer.com? Oh, whatever <laughs> I wanna, wanna say. So I mean, the, obviously Smog went up a bit, didn't he? In price. He's so I'm gonna say quid now. I think. How much is he? Five hundred. Pushing it. Oh, I'm gonna say three hundred pounds. I think it's three six five something like that. Andy. Um. I think it's about 300 and I'm going to be really, I'm going to say 324. Ooh. Oh, Andy, you have won. It's 325 pounds. <laughs> oh, that was perfect. It was, it even went under and not over. That was, that was Bob. You know what? I, I think that's still worth it. It's a, it's a really nice display piece, isn't it? Yeah, it's, a, yeah, like I mean, it's, it's just a top bit, it, but you could easily model like the sort of hill that it's, it's on. Out of yeah. like star, uh, polystyrene, you know, yeah, that'd be really cool. I'm, 
Yeah, I'm pretty sure someone must have done something like that. I have to have a look on Google later. Yeah. Um, yeah. Incidentally, as well, uh, Duncan Rose has done a painting tutorial for that as well, Jay. Oh, has he? Oh, no, no. I've got, I mean, <laughs> I'll be buying a Mastodon before long. I can't afford whatever. To, um, I can't afford a Mastodon, to be fair. Um, right. My second choice um, is an interesting one um, because I think it, it, it has a variety of um, uh, uses and I would really like to put it to the use to, for which it isn't necessarily sold for um and i'm pretty sure sh- well you'll be able to tell me whether this was one of ray's specials or not and it's the um the gallodark scenery oh. i always sculpted that I, I, he's part of the, the scenery team isn't he but i know he works on a lot of um specialist game stuff now doesn't he yeah um i really really like this kit so um i know you've got a, a, a large selection of it painted matt and it, it's really cool and we got to um see a lot of it as well at the kill team event we went to earlier in the year but i just think it's very very sort of um characterful it's got lots of cool sort of details across it it's very modular really really sort of flexible pieces of scenery that you can put together in a variety of different ways uh, and also we can use it for zone mortalis which we've never yeah. played but i really want to <laughs> yeah and you know what it's it scales a bit better for 40k models than the zone mortality stuff as well because obviously a lot of 40k stuff's just bigger now isn't it yeah but i just love the way like all the doors swing open and there's all like um like i call them accessories but you've got like you know uh, pipes and dials and yeah. consoles and all sorts of things it's a really really nice um um piece of terrain and when it's set up for games of Kill Team on the Kill Team mats and things, it looked really, really cool in Warhammer yeah. World when we played on it. And I would love to see it like bulked out a bit so we can have a few, you know, over a four by six table for a game. Well, of we, between us, yeah. I think we've got enough scenery to do a four by six board, Dave. Uh, I, I, I think we, you know, uh, with us four of us here, four 1,000 point Legion armies starting in four corners of the board. Let's play some Zone Mortalis. Yeah, it's it's it should be one of my um projects for next year because I did start painting mine. Um, I did a few sort of wall sections, um, but then I kind of went off to cause it can get a bit tedious, can't it, Matt? After you've done a couple of panels, because there's actually a lot more detail on there than you realise. Yeah, um, I there's went a lot off... of sanding to do as well. Even before you start yeah. painting it, I've I've got some like nail files to to sand it down because some of the sprues are a bit tight, some of them are not so much. It's there's a lot of work involved. What I'd say, give yourself a weekend to just work on that all weekend. You can yeah. spray it, spray it a couple of colours with, with just rattle cans and then just dry brushes and sponges, I think. You don't need to go to town necessarily painting all the little dials and That's lights probably and where stuff. my mistake was. <laughs> That's <laughs> but, you what know, I did with mine. Was it? <laughs> so yeah. I, I do want to get it finished there because it is – I completely forgot about the Grim um, – that, that scenery piece uh yeah i need to get mine finished and then like jay said have some big games on them um my number one choice though is and I, i'm pretty sure this isn't available to purchase anymore um this was a piece of um scenery that ford world released oh, i i want to say nearly 20 years ago it feels like a long time ago because i remember myself and my brother lee we were both you know this looks so cool we really want to buy this and build this up it was the um uh, um the fortress uh, um imperial fortress uh the yes. was released with like the big gates with the big um like towers next to it and the gun placements i and believe the this yeah. came out alongside the death core krieg release for vrax yeah how long ago would you say matt oh, I that's, that. well that's 20 years yeah. must be yeah i thought about that um i would i i, I 
I, I can't remember now. I mean, we were at Warhammer World um, a couple of times before the end of the year. I'm going to have to go around the uh, exhibition again because I can't recall whether this is set up anywhere in the exhibition. I don't know whether they use it I anywhere. Don't know if they do. I don't think they do anymore. I, I know, I know they, they, custom, they custom built a lot, didn't they? There might be yeah. some in some of the showcase boards. Oh, I'd love to see this set up on a table. I think it was discontinued quite a while ago, like yeah. before they did the new exhibition. Yeah, that was cool though. It was about like eight hundred quid, but it was cool. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't wasn't cheap, and you know this is why me and my brother we just used to like <laughs> dream about owning such a thing. But, I mean, I guess I, I, I mean it's not in production anymore. And I, I wonder, you know, there's some really cool um, non-games workshop scenery that you can buy nowadays, uh, and obviously with 3D printers and things like this, I bet you could, yeah. um, I bet we you create. could find a, a sort of a yeah an alternative to it. You know what, Jay? If we get a Siege of Terror expansion for Legion of the Imperialis, it wouldn't surprise me if we got a six mil scale version of it. Oh, yeah, yeah. That'd be cool. Excellent. Let's go over to you next, Andy. What what, uh, what scenery pieces do you like the most? Um, so my third choice is actually one that I've done really recently, and it's the um, terrain that you get in the Shatterpoint core set. Ooh, um, oh, yeah. It's a lot bigger in terms of scale um than all the games workshop stuff which is it's quite nice because i've got quite big sausage fingers um, <laughs> so it's nice to work on some scenery that is a lot bigger um because the, the, the shadow point models are quite big scale as well aren't they yes yeah yeah um i think the best way i can i think the anakin skywalker which is kind of like the medium normal size model he's about the same size as primaris space marine okay um but yeah, the the scenery itself goes together like a dream. Like there's there's no issues, there's no gaps, um, and yeah, it, it's very. I think one of my big issues with a lot of the games workshop scenery is it's all, especially like the 40k stuff, it's all gothic. Mm. Um, so it was nice to paint something that I can imagine R2D2 and C3PO walking down the street next to you know. Um, <laughs> So, so my third choice is the the Shatterpoint core set with a, a a cheeky mention to the take cover terrain set because those are quite possibly the nicest set of rocks I've ever built. Um, but yeah, that that's my third choice. Um, my second choice is one that I almost drove me mad um, <laughs> when, and it's one that we did for the Purple Sparkly Unicorn Club. Um, me and fellow organizer Craig, we must have bought about, uh, I think we've got about 50 sets of ruins from TT Combat. Um, and they come on sort of like a triangular base and there's like a couple that are two floors and a couple that are three floors. Um, but if you're trying to sort of like play 40k and you know, you want some scenery that, you know, is very modular, very quick and easy to put together. And I think we ended up just spraying it black and then spraying it um, to a mid-tone of grey and a light tone of grey on on some bits. So it was dead quick and easy to to paint off of a club. Um, talking, yeah, uh, value... Battleship grey or military grey? Oh, battleship grey. I think the final one was <laughs> roughly the same shade um so yeah so the the tt combat ruins were were my second choice um and my first choice um actually came up for made to order back in i think it was october um on a 180 day made to order (laughs) um 
I know this because I thought it had already been six months. It hasn't. It's been two. Um, <laughs> there's, there was me trying to almost get, email Games Workshop um, customer service and ask where my order is. Still got another four months. Um, and that is the uh, Aegis defense line would be quad auto gun and Laz Karen spiritual yeah. successor to the Imperial Fortress. Yeah, I, I think it came out back in fifth edition 40k, and that's kind of when I got into the hobby and started playing games. And um, at the time, the only army I had was a Necron army, but I still bought one um, just because it looked so nice and. You know, you could hide a Necron warrior behind it so that it's just its teeny tiny little head was poking up <laughs> above it. Um, but yeah, I, I think that was one of the first scenery pieces I fully painted the Aegis Defense line. Nice. With um, a special mention to one that I never bought but always wanted, and that was, um, I think it was the Minas Tirith scenery. Oh, yeah. Way oh, back yeah. in the day. Way, way back in the day that was. So that just leaves one person again who I absolutely didn't forget and has been cut out on the uh, final edit of the podcast, and that's you, Matt. What, what's your top three? Well, this was really, really hard. Uh, you, while you've been filming this, I've scribbled out five different things for my number three choice. Ooh, I, I, okay. I can easily have like a top 20 scenery kits, but I managed to get it down to three. I've been good. So at number three, I've gone for a bit of a more left-field one. The Sanctum Sanctorum, the Marvel Crisis Protocol. Good call. It's 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 iconic. It's it's a big kit as well. You mentioned that the Shatterpoint stuff is big. But Marvel Crisis Protocol models are, are, are quite big models, and the scenery even more so. And I think they've done a really good job. Some of some of the bits are questionable. They've got like a Hydra tank, which a bit looks a bit more like a toy. But a lot of the scenery kits look really really good. The buildings, the the New York um, apartment buildings, really cool with the reversible sides, and, and it's got like a um, like a poster. Um, board on the top of it and just announced as we record this there's a load of wakanda scenery as well which looks really cool but yeah i think the sanctum sanctorum takes the top spot just because it's where dr strange lives in it it looks cool mm. um for number two you mentioned this in your top three dave but the fortified manor house which was actually made of um a number of different kits it was yeah so you could build you could buy the box but that could be then built as just a standalone house and a watchtower and some walls and stuff. Um, I would love this to get a made to order when the old world comes out. And you know me what? Too. It wouldn't surprise me if it does. Or they they come up with a spiritual successor using the kind of modular tiles that they've used for a lot of the scenery. Now, like the Gondor buildings, like the Adeptus Titanicus scenery, you could easily have flat surfaces that then go together in multiple different ways to make different buildings. In fact, if they just scaled up the Gondor buildings a little bit, that mm. again, it, it feels very much like that. But I don't know, it just screams Warhammer, the 45 Manor House. And then number one, this was really, really tough. Very, very tough. But I had to go for, in the end, the Necromunda Zone Mortalis scenery. Mm. It is. Uh, yeah. I really like the Kill Team one. But I think for confined, gritty, dark, filthy kind of terrain, the Zone Mortalis just nabs it a little bit. I think for actually playing games like 40k, I think the kills team stuff's better. And I think, Jay, I think you're right for Heresy. I think that just because the models are bigger now, 
I think yeah. the kill team is better for playing. But Necromunda, where you want those really claustrophobic environments, it's great because you can have, you know, you can literally have corridors where a single guy is in the way and blocking it. Yeah. Um, and for Necromunda, that works where you've only got like, you know, 10 models per side. When you've got an army per side, it probably becomes a little bit hard to play through. But I'm sure you can probably play um, Heresy over it. It'd be amazing. But yeah. I've got boxes and boxes of that stuff because it is great. And I think we're probably going to do a Necromunda campaign next year. And we had a very Ash Waste focused one uh, last year. So I think this time we're going to be predominantly under, in the Underhive because I want like some uh, dark, gritty combat in tunnels and yeah. a state well away from uh, Lee's Weber because that hurts. <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah. Well, yeah, webbed and then melted. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, they are definitely our uh, top three choices. That just leaves us to open the floor to the community and to wrap up this week's podcast. So we'll be right back. So it is sadly time to wrap up this week's podcast with the community top three choices. Matt, I believe we've got a few over on X. We do, or Twitter, as, as I'm going to call it. Uh, so Anonymous Rex says, number three, the Azurite Ruins. Really nice kit of long walls like Push Fit and Come Apart Clean. Uh, you know what? I don't even they still even make them anymore. They were really nice Push Fit um, yeah. kind of ruins for, for, for AOS, though. Uh, they said the Tau versus Reavers Kill Team box came with an amazing set of scenery for 40k. So, yeah, I think I gave this to you, Dave. It's all the uh, Sector Mechanica stuff. Uh, is this the Child Nef box? Yeah. No, no, it was um, no, it was sector sorry, no, no, sorry the, the, there was a box with a load of um sector uh, sector uh, was, uh, blah, 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 sector mechanicum stuff. Oh yeah, had a lot of walkways yeah. and power plants and stuff. Yes, yeah. Sorry, I'm getting confused between boxes. Yeah, that's right. Um, and then finally, XPS foam bricks takes a lot of work, but the end result and flexibility makes them a great bit of kit. Oh, interesting. Uh, Steve Foot says the Chaos Citadel's fighting pit. The Firebase and the Super Heavy Crawler. Definitely not influenced by uh, Dark Fantastic Mills connections there. <laughs> I've got the, um, the the Super Heavy Crawler, and that is a really nice scenery. Again, way bigger than you think it is when you order it. I'm just... It, cool thing. If, if Dark Fantastic Mills are, uh, are listening to this week's episode, I would have absolutely voted for your brewery if it had managed to hit the Kickstarter goal and be created. I still hope they go and do that at some point. Um, that would have been my top choice. I will give a shout out to the uh, the Jägenholm stuff. is really really nice. It uh, is really nice. You saw that in the flesh again the other day, didn't you, Dave? And I did. I yeah. am tempted to get the um, the three D uh, hills when they come out. Mm. Uh, Pete Allison says the fortified manor, the Necromunda Zone Mortalis, and the Witch Fate Tour. That's another blast from oh, yeah. So that was like Ooh. the circular kind of tower for Warhammer Fantasy. Uh, the painting coach really hopes that the fortified manor gets re-released for the old world. Um, Hobby Butterfly Nelly also hopes that the uh, the fortified manor gets re-released, and Arnold Wilmar also hopes that the fortified manor comes back. So <laughs> lots of love for that. Uh, Scott Frazier says the orc stuff from Kill Team. You know what? I really like that scenery set. Yeah. We, oh, yeah. we often get very. Um, kind of imperium focused scenery but we've had quite a few nice xenos ones we had the uh the webway gate as well for the old R, which is really nice yes they nearly made my list actually the very did they are yeah. um and then basic pipes are always usable and the tectonic frag drill that is another mm. great kit as well 
And then finally, Glorious Badger has got three absolute classic ones. So at the Fortified Manor, obviously, at the School Vein Mance, which I have got painted up and I use in pretty much every Age of Sigmar battle because it's cool. Mm. Um, and finally, here's another one that was about two grand and I couldn't buy it because it's too expensive, but I would love to have it. The Anphilian base. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. With the uh, base, it's like the alien sort of set. Wasn't yeah, it? I think this came yeah. out possibly before that. I think yeah, it was the one right. after that tower. It was a long time ago. It was in the Tyranids um, Imperial Armour book. And the surgeons, um, yeah, it was It was a medical research facility, yeah. wasn't it? That was the storyline that they were experimenting on the Tyranids. I think it was the Elysian drop troop. Elysian. Um, I think they were Elysians, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, that was an amazing kit. I'd love to see. You know what? I'd love to see Kill Team. We've had the spaceship stuff, but maybe like buildings with interior as part of a Kill Team setup, maybe. Mm. I don't know. But yeah, really cool stuff. So yeah, thanks everyone for sending those in. Yeah, much appreciated. Um, Matt, I know we don't we haven't penciled in yet, but what's the next step for you going to be? Well, well, Dave, the first podcast in January is, as ever, our Hobby Resolutions episode. We will be going through our Hobby Resolutions and finding oh out, Dave, how many of them we managed to achieve. <laughs> I don't even know. I can't remember what ours were. It's going to be fun <laughs> finding out. However, as part of that, we want you to make and share your three Hobby Resolutions for next year. And uh, that goes to you guys to have a think what realistic hobby resolutions we can try and accomplish <laughs> for 2024 it's like he underlined and bolded realistic then wasn't it <laughs> yeah. Yeah, with, that, with that tone i i know i'm i'm pretty confident i've got zero but we'll we'll have to had, see in I think january you've had paint a full necromunda board on yours for like the last four years dave <laughs> spoiler alert i haven't done that this year <laughs> um anyway um we'll be putting a, a, a tweet and well We'll go across all our social media channels in the new year, asking for you to send yours in. <clears throat> so you can wait for that, or you can get in touch now uh, on our Facebook or um, X page, or even on Threads or Discord. Um, oh, wait, Dave. Oh. There's more. Oh, oh, oh. So obviously that'll be the next podcast, but there might even be a little sneaky extra, little Christmas treat that slides into your uh, Christmas stocking. Uh, we will be doing the traditional, I say traditional, it's the second year we've done it, Spruce and Bruce Christmas party. So I think we'll have an audio-only version of that going out as well, Dave, won't we? We will, yes. Yeah, absolutely. But I think the video will be what you want to really watch. Um, but yes, there'll, there'll be both versions available uh, shortly after we've uh, recorded it, which should be pretty good. Um, keep an eye again on our socials and spruceandbruce.com. Uh, for more on those um, two things in the coming few weeks. And also keep an eye on our channel as well, as we mentioned at the top of the podcast, for the upcoming battle report, the Adeptus Mechanicus versus the Necrons. Uh, we're hoping as we get into next year, we'll be a bit more organised and get a few more battle reports on the channel, because I love doing them. I love editing them. We all enjoy playing Warhammer, so it makes absolute sense to get more of them uh, online, which we're going to try and do. Yeah, and let us know what you'd like to see. I think... We, 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 we're thinking focusing on like a thousand point games, narrative games, Crusade yeah. After Glory, uh, yeah. specialist game stuff. And, and some, you know, we'll try a bit of Marvel Crisis Protocol and Shatterpoint and some other game systems as well. We're thinking yeah. the kind of friendly narrative, smaller games that you don't necessarily see on, on the YouTubes. No. 
So, uh, with that, I think that brings us to uh, to an end, unfortunately. It's been another great podcast. Guys, I mean, it's been an amazing podcast because we've all been here. Um, <laughs> it's great to have you all back, especially you, Andy, and you've, you've given us some musical treats as well, um, which will be in the outtakes at the end uh, and over on our Patreon as well. So, thanks, Andy. I'm, I'm glad you've not let me down. Yeah, always <laughs> happy to sing. <laughs> um, so, until next time, um, we'll speak to you all again very soon. Bye! Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to the Spruce and Brews podcast. For more content, remember to check out spruceandbrews.com. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, send us a tweet at spruceandbrews or head over to facebook.com forward slash spruceandbrews. Andy, could you just say a few words? Um, words are like potatoes. Um, you have to peel them to get to the good stuff.